Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brothers and sisters. Sorry about that. Hey. <laughs> oh, greetings, greetings. Great, greetings, greetings. <laughs> Two guys that aren't afraid to water down their beer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you want to get more shows out of me, it'll add a little water to the beer. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Even when it's not your beer, mm-hmm. it's watering down beer in general. That's my beer. I'm drinking it. It's very nice. Yeah. Much, much uh, sessionable. Mm-hmm. Nothing well, to be ashamed of about hey, session I, beers. When I'm in England, and you know, I, I took a trip over to England for a GBBF mm-hmm. with uh, my daughter and uh, my good friend uh, Travis, and we went we went to Cardiff, which was lovely. I loved Cardiff. I I never knew anything about Cardiff. Cardiff, fantastic town. And Bristol went to small bar there at an event. Oh, fantastic! Uh, everything was fantastic, but. During the whole trip, I'm drinking like, you know, every three point whatever beer I could get, and uh, and Travis is trying. You know, they're doing a lot more American style beers, right? Right. So the impact is the ABV has gone up. Okay. Yeah. So you go to uh, you know all these various places, and you're seeing uh, uh, you know six percent, seven percent, eight percent, and and the the three point whatevers are in trouble. And there's four, you know. So uh, I'd be drinking all of those by the pint, and then I'd have a sip of Travis's. You know, all the, yeah. He'd try all the beers. I'd have a sip of each one, so I get to try them, and I didn't have to drink pints of them. There you But they, for me, I, I love the session beer because I like to drink a lot of beer. Right. And right. if I didn't control the amount of alcohol that was in it, I'd be in real trouble. I'd be dead by now. Well, you certainly. I mean, I'm not that far off. I you're dead, <laughs> dead inside. You know, I mean, yeah. the the year is gone, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, half my hearing's gone. I tried to cut my wrist. Just everything. <laughs> and yeah. this is at half strength. This is at half strength. Yeah, right. <laughs> Imagine if I was drinking. Well, I'd probably not care. I'd just lay You'd there. You'd be deaf and dead. Yeah. yeah. Actually, now that you put it that way, maybe you should, you know, Russian Imperial Stouts all the way. <laughs> you know, you, nothing you, under ten. You want this show to end quickly? Is that what you're saying? I'm not not saying that. We have a couple of fans that would be disappointed. That's true. And they're not related to either one of us. That's right. Yeah, our spouses and family could care less about this show. Oh yeah, I don't. No one, no one related to me has ever listened to anything I've done. Please, I could care less about this show. (laughs) (laughs) Friends and oh, she's actually listening. Yeah, it shows shows a little bit of care. Look at that. Because she, she knows that. She be- may have been lip reading. We don't know. Right. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Such is my life uh, here on the Brewing Network. You know, you know, I give up the, the Brew Your Own gig. I, oh, I uh, write in the style profile column. I don't, I don't write that every issue anymore. That takes time. I did it for eight years. Yeah, you, yeah. You, did, you did not give up early. Right, right. I didn't just like do it briefly and then stop. I did it for eight years, I figured. And uh, I enjoyed it. I really did. And it, it forced me to – I actually got a lot more uh, chance to explain things sometimes and go into detail and things. And uh, I really enjoyed it. But <coughs> it was either give up that or give up this. Well. And this I don't prepare for. So, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That I had to actually, you know, spell things right and pay attention and, you know, form coherent sentences. Writing is a lot harder than talking. Yeah, here it's, it is. I drink, I talk. 
Yeah, that's yeah. what I do your friends. normally. Yeah. yeah, I would be doing this anyways. <laughs> the difference is there's a microphone. <laughs> so uh, you feel yeah. like we're contributing something to society? No, I don't. Well, um, let's not go nuts. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No. Doing BYO, I, I I felt like I did. Uh, now I feel like I'm just you know lost in a uh, in a sea of uh, sea of beer. Man, so. Just a peaceful thought, didn't it? Flotsam on the uh, <laughs> stream of homebrew. No. no, actually, I enjoyed doing the show. I love, I love doing the show, and that's why, when it came down to it, I love this much better than right. doing the the BYO show, the column. Um, I love that, but this is my thing. This I would not stop doing. Brew strong, and whatever our Good. other show is. Good. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I I like sitting here and talking with Scott and and you, John. I like just sitting here and talking with uh, Plisse and and Tasty. I like I like hearing from the listeners. I like thinking about you know answers to all these interesting questions people come up. I right. I, I love yeah. it. I really love it. I love doing this. And down here at the Hop Grenade, I love it even more. I get access to great beer. The studio's a little nicer. Um, you know, that's great. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't give it up for anything. Did BYO, like, attempt to retain you? Like, when, a, you know, Jennifer Aniston's leaving Friends, and so they, they yes. offer her a million dollars an episode to stay they on. They offered me a million dollars an article. Well, I was going to say, like, a hundred yeah. grand. I mean, come on, it's not Friends. <laughs> hey. <laughs> it, it became the most popular... Uh, Column in the magazine. I'll bet. Over the time I did it, did they seriously? Did they like try to retain you? They were. They were like, hey, they understand. You yeah. know, they're like, we really want you to stay, but you know, I'm like, they could tell us on my last nerve. <laughs> the yeah. last time I'm like, fuck it, I can't do this. I'm, I'm buried at work. So when, you look like hell. they're nice people. Yeah. So they they understand. And then uh, I may still do the the BYO blog. I was doing a blog and it was quite popular, so I might might pick that up again. I couldn't do both, that's for sure. So once you you know, Bro- re- blogs like talking and just typing at the same time. You don't have to worry yeah. that you're actually saying anything coherent if you've read most blogs. Oh yeah, no, yes, there's no coherence in blogging. <laughs> do you ha- did they try to uh, like once they once you rebuffed them? You know, after they tried to retain you, did they then go on the offensive? Like, oh, well, good riddance to bad rubbish. Then see you later. No, no, no. They're very kind. Okay. And actually, the I, I told uh, they wrote me an extra check and and stuff to you know square things away. They 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 felt that I did a good job and they they rewarded me for it. Good people. Good. Yeah, I, I'd continue supporting them for I have every issue of BYO since the magazine was founded back in Davis. You save them? Yes, I've saved them all. Like like yeah. my grandma with Nat Geo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Except this is more important. Uh, no, I I I I started with Brew Your Own way back in the day. Yeah. Really it's you know, it's amazing how many magazines. I mean, I've got my stacks around my desk too. Yeah. You know, 10 15 years worth of magazines. I bet you uh John Blickman reads Oh, yeah? He does? I bet you that's uh, part of where he learned uh, some of his homebrew craft is from Brio. Yeah. Do you think he's a hoarder, too? He just called him a whore? She just called John Blickman a whore. <laughs> yeah, where do you cross the line from collecting to hoarding? Uh, well, all right. So, so my, 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 I'm getting off on a tangent here using lots of time that we don't have, but, uh, my kids were like, oh, dad, you know, don't be a hoarder. I'm like, you know who the hoarder is? Your mother. She'll save, like, she cannot throw away a container. So if something was a container for something, she cannot get rid of it. She (laughs) saves them. Big containers, little containers, she saved them all. And every once in a while, I'll like open a cabinet door and out spills like a million tiny shampoo bottles from hotels. No. <laughs> and then there will be. Really? She'll see, she saves all that stuff, yeah. And hey, when you need a small container, she's got it. I'm just saying. I'm like, hey, do you have? Uh, yeah, here you go. What, what size? You know, 255 millimeter, 250 milliliter, uh, you know, 245 milliliter. Oh, here's 247 if you need something in between those two. <laughs> and, then, 
And she lots of, I cleared out a lot of my crap. I'm just like, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to need this anymore. Gone, gone, gone. I got through a ton of stuff. The only stuff I've saved is uh, brewing related. It's the only thing I'm really, you know, yeah, yeah. 100% active in. I got my skis. Took my daughter skiing recently. That was nice. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. Cool. So I am not the hoarder. But the magazines, I'll tell you, a brew your own magazine collection from from, from <laughs> issue one to issue today. That's gotta be worth like twenty bucks $10. to the right. <laughs> I'd get somebody to pay twenty for that entire thing. Yeah. You get a home brewer, they they pay twenty. Meanwhile he has no garage. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> It's not that bad. I, I went I went through a I whole had bunch almost of them. every Zymergy yeah. magazine too. I'm yeah. missing a few, but yeah. But yeah. I, I do research through them, and I'll be I'll be sitting there. Yeah. And There's good through information each one. in oh, those yeah, things. Definitely. I also have uh, all the brewing techniques. Oh yeah, I got those. Yeah, that's good stuff too. It is. That's that's called a library. Mm-hmm. A research. Not like library. you know, full of romance and Harry Potter books. <laughs> rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only Harry Potter. Right. Very yeah, yeah, right. I bet you she she reads the uh the the fan fiction where Harry Potter's like uh-huh. romance with Hermione and you know they're they're going off and I think she writes it. Forget I, reading. Yes, it. I write it. No, I'm, you know how I spell Scott. Come on. <laughs> spell with have, you, have you seen any of that fan fiction? I'm just saying. I've heard of it. Um this is completely off topic. I don't need to go into it. What do you mean by into it? Shut okay. up. Scott. All right. Should we should we do maybe one question to make the segment worth something before we take a break? Well, I just wanted to finish talking about John Blipkin and oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and his uh, probable probable love of uh, BYO. Right. I'm just saying, uh, John Blickman, he's a home brewer. That guy brews beer. Right. And uh, that's why his designs for all this equipment is brilliant. Because he's a user, not just a designer and a seller. He's not, you know, some Chinese factory just cranking out crap that they think might work. Right. He's the innovator, user. You know, he uses the stuff. He tests it. He makes sure that it's going to work. He, he goes to guys like you to right. make sure that you know, hey, John, is this a valid piece of equipment? Does it right. work well for you? Right. And then if not, he goes back to the drawing board, tweaks it, changes it. That's how he came out with the brilliant beer gun. Right, you know, all because of that. So, uh, if you like the fact that he supports the show, and we're like twenty minutes into <laughs> the very beginning of the show with crap, hey, contact John Blickman and tell him how much you appreciate it uh, that he he sponsors the show. BlickmanEngineering dot com. All right. So, what do you guys think about uh, Israel and uh, Hamas? <laughs> do, all right. Do you want to do a question? Uh, yes. Let's do a quick one. Let's do a quick one. We're going to talk about carbonation today, right? Yes. It's a Q&A. You send in your questions to brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com, and then we gather them into shows like this and uh, kind of go from there. All right. First one is from Rob. Uh, Rob says, uh, if you could cover a carbonation for kegged English ordinary bitters, or he says any uncarbonated beer, really, uh, I'm just not sure how to handle it since the expected CO2 volume seemed to indicate no CO2 at all. Um, yet, of course, I need something uh, in place, even just to push the beer through the line. Ah, uh, well, <clears throat> very interesting. Uh, that's actually quite a long question, a uh, long answer. Uh, part of it is beer at you know cellar temperature has like one point three volumes. I want to say yeah, one three, one five, something just like that. just naturally. If exposed, it's you know that's what it's going to end right. up being. 50 to 55 degrees, somewhere in there. At the end of fermentation, things like that. And that's why, you know, cast-conditioned beer that you're serving on a on a hand pump, on an engine, you pump the beer out of the cast because there isn't carbonation to, to force it to into push the glass. It, yeah. So you pump it into the glass, and it's there at the 1.3. Uh, if you're doing uh, bottle-conditioned or something like that, but you could serve that off a draft. You can get enough pressure with that and a short line to, you know, uh, push it out on out of a homebrew kegerator. Just don't have a long rise. You'll never have enough pressure. Right. Keep the hose short, and you could serve it that way. Um, and if you're bottle, bottle conditioning, you could do that. Essentially, when you bottle condition and, you know, serve bottled, 
uh, English ales, you go more towards the two volumes, 1.8 to two volumes. Mm-hmm. So you'd, you'd add a little more carbonation. And when you pour the beer, the action of pouring the beer knocks out some of the carbonation, forms the head. You pour it with some vigor, like Charlie Bamforth. There was a good video of him showing, right. uh, you know, pour pouring techniques you know the the people who just ease it into the glass and retain every little bit of co2 not a good way to do no head no activity no aroma development and then the people who just like go nuts and it's foams all over the place yeah and then he shows you know you pour it with some vigor you want to end up with a a nice collar of foam at the top that's properly poured and if you do that with a like a 1.8 volume bottled beer by the time it's poured you've knocked out a bit and uh, you know, it turns out you know closer to to what a cast beer would be. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Did that answer the question? Yes. I completely forgot the question by now. I'll yeah. tell you what. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, I'll be ready to remember what the next question is. Right. Right after this. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Doctor Blitzenstein. Yes, JP Law. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My doctor, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alphas. <laughs> yes, JP Law. We will, for I have in my possession the Tower of Power. <laughs> Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Glickman, with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to Enjoy it, right? Don't be silly, JP Gore. We have beer to brew. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, write-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest-approved. Grog Tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to Customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Oh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some grog tags, dude. Grog tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones 
beds are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're talking about uh, carbonation Q&A. Actually, we weren't that far off on time. That's good. Pardon me. So during the break, we were talking about half cousin, second cousin, we're we're really impressed with the uh, the naming schemes for right. the uh, cut uh, shallow grave and <laughs> uh, evil cousin, the half cousin in the watery grave. Yeah. That's good stuff. And yeah. Viva said uh, you have to finish. I imagine that's how she sounds when she's talking to Sam. I just actually no, the opposite. <laughs> Please don't. You have to. Come on. Enough of this. Do you do this in the? Oh, she has headphones on. Oh my god! Please I said that stop she had talking. Do you do it in the tap room? I figured she couldn't hear me because she went back to the booth. She never has her headphones on. No, oh, I'm embarrassed. Do you do it in the tap room? Do you do you offer uh, half cousin or watery grape? I drink it all the time, but you don't offer it to customers. And just yeah. just like you know, ring up a half pour, you know? Right? Yeah. Well, if people want it, I'd be fine with that. I don't care. Right. Here's the next question on carbonation. People think I'm insane. So, but unrelated to this topic, that just in general. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's Anthony from Australia. He said, "Good day." I'm new to kegging and forced carbonation. I've tried a couple things, but it seems I can never uh, get the same carbonation into my keg beers as my bottled beers, especially Hefe's and those requiring high carbonation levels. My current method uh, is to chill the beer in the fridge and then attach the CO2 line to the liquid post at approximately 28 PSI and then rock the keg standing vertically until the flow of CO2 ceases about 15 minutes or so. Uh, uh, I then either let it sit a number of days at the high pressure uh, or I turn the pressure down to approximately 12 PSI for serving. It seems the beer also loses carbonation as the level of the beer in the keg drops, which makes sense to me since the beer is at a lower PSI than what it was originally carbonated with. Uh, is there any way to stop this from happening? Should I be turning up the pressure while the keg sits over time? Uh, so so is he disconnecting the CO2? It sounds, it sounds like he's turning off CO2 once it's reached whatever carbonation. Yeah. Yeah, you keep the CO2 on and you, you balance. So there's a chart. Yeah. It's everywhere. Just Google, you know, carbonation temperature chart, and I'll show you how many volumes of beer versus what temperature, what right. pressure you need your regulator set at. And that determines how long a line you need to serve it properly and how much restriction so that it doesn't foam. And all these things are in balance. Yeah. Well, in fact, I think the AHA publishes a drop beer manual. Uh, that has that chart in it. They do, they do. It's massive. Mm-hmm. So, but they get a lot of good information. Um, but uh, you know, the whole trying to carbonate it really quick. I've done that before. It, it's never carbonated right. Really, right out of the, that's right interesting. Out of the, I found that to. I found the opposite, uh, or at least opposite. I mean, I did uh, force carbonation when um, I kicked the crap out of you in the Brewcaster <laughs> you challenge. Did it, you did it once. <laughs> Yes. You, you actually carbonated beer, forced carbonated beer yeah, once, yeah, and it worked once. It worked great. I mean, once. yeah. And I, so you got lucky. A blind pig finds a truffle every now and then. Well, but how can you get lucky? What, what <laughs> happened that I got lucky? I just I did exactly what this guy did. I hooked it up. I turned right. up the PSI, probably about the same, 28, 30, and rocked the keg back right. and forth that for sounds, less time than him. That sounds really precise. It worked. Why right. did it work? Right. You got lucky. Uh, but that doesn't... Okay, so you I got lucky how, though? Three days, right. then? So try, try doing that like 10 no. times and have it work every time. Different beers, different, you know, it, it, it all, you know, it's just not a very precise way of doing it. Sure, that's, that's a good way to kind of initially get some CO2 in there. And what he's reporting is too low a carbonation. Right. And that's generally what the problem is with that method. It's very hard to get the whole thing properly carbonated that way. How come? Uh, it's just not a very efficient means of doing it, I think. People get tired. There's not enough headspace. There's, you know. Uh, you know, uh, any number of things. So the, the you could do that to get started, to shorten the time. But mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of what I always did was I just hooked up the keg. I purged the headspace, hook up the keg, right. uh, and just leave it sit there for a week. 
at what I knew was the correct pressure for the temperature of the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. The beer would reduce down in temperature because you know a lot of times when you're starting this, beer's the beer's warmer. the beer's warmer. It's at like 65 degrees, and you're trying to force CO2 in it, and it's not there yet. It takes a while for that volume of liquid with not a real conductive surface or convective mm-hmm. surface to uh, you know get the uh, the temperature right and all that. So I let it sit there, and what happens during that week while you're waiting for it to carbonate is a lot of little fine particles settle out, some more yeast settles out. You get a better head, you get a better draw. You know, it's it's just a nicer experience. So you spent. You know, a couple of weeks and a bunch of money and a bunch of time brewing this beer. Instead of just trying to quickly carbonate it and and chug it down, let it sit. You know, and and if you're like, well, I don't have any beer. Well, brew more beer and have more beer more often. And, you know, have the the beer coming into condition properly, I would say. And then you have beautiful beer with great head retention and everything. So just for the sake of... uh, of argument i guess what you have a super bowl party you got to get some keg that day would it be better to keg a cold keg then instead of yes. room temp- it is it's got to be cold yeah, yeah. you're not going to get it it dissolves in there yeah honestly i i always did the the quick mm-hmm. method when forced carbon i mean i'd rock it and then wait a little right. bit and then come back and rock it again and but would that be perfect every time no, no but i didn't but i didn't it, care. it got it got enough carbonation in where you can have a quick pint if that's yeah. what you want but still, you're you're gonna make if you're shooting for yeah. a great beer, take a little time, you know, slow down. Yeah, a week later, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And then you you know you know it's right because you, you've got the chart that tells you temperature, pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 it, it's flawless every time it works. That's the great thing about that method. I always cranked it up to thirty and then backed it off to fifteen and <laughs> right. It's yeah. Just, yeah, it's like all over the place. <laughs> And I I really didn't care. (laughs) Right. There you go. It was beer. That's the difference between you and me, John. Yep. You don't care. Award-winning brewer versus, (laughs) you know, me. (laughs) Versus the Palmer. Yeah. There you go. All right. But I got it done. Next question. Here's uh, Brian B. He said, I brewed an extract Belgian strong, and it is not carbonating in the bottles. I left it in primary for about two weeks and secondary for about two months. I guess I didn't stir up enough yeast when I transferred it to the bottling bucket because I am getting no carbonation. It's been in the bottles for about two months, and I still have nothing. I put one cup of corn sugar boiled in one cup of water into the bottling bucket. Uh, I will probably empty the bottles into a keg and force carb, uh, but for my next long secondary beer, what should I use in the bottling bucket to ensure carbonation? Yeast. Well, he says, I've read that champagne yeast can work, uh, and also the yeast I used during brewing. Is one better than the other? Yeah, the yeast you use during brewing is better. Well, better from the standpoint that you're not going to change the flavors of the beer. Champagne on a Belgian triple is not going to change it a lot, but it it will change change it because it's a different yeast. Um, but so generally, you want to use the same strain if you're trying to if you're trying to brew that beer that style. You then you want to maintain that consistent yeast. Why do you think he was getting no carbonation from his? Uh because we had it too long. Very, in very little yeast in there. I would, I would say this: if he left it for a year in a warm space, eventually it would probably carbonate. There's probably yeah. a couple of cells of yeast in there still kicking, uh, but it's such a low population that it's going to take a long, long time. But I wouldn't be surprised if eventually it carbonated, right. either mm-hmm. through the yeast or bacteria or wild yeast. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it'll get there. So he, as a follow-up, he said, do I just put the yeast in the bucket and stir it up before bottling, or do, or do I make a starter? Well, it depends. If you're using like a liquid yeast, uh, you could get away with just putting it in the bucket. Um, if it's a dry yeast, you want to rehydrate first because otherwise you know, half of it's going to die when you pour the beer on it. Um, if you made a starter, you know, then you're sure that you're adding healthy cells and they're you know they're active. able to be active. Yeah. You know, it'll so. work better with an with a so, starter. Yeah, across and, the board. You know, the time to carbonation is probably less. But yeah, I think you know every beer, keg it, you know, force carbonate it, and then uh, when it's perfectly dialed in, go ahead and bottle it with a Blickman beer gun, and you're good. Yeah, that's true. No, no screwing around. No, no worrying about all this. 
People like bottle conditioning. I'm just not that convinced that it's worth it. Uh, you know, unless you're using Brett. Yeah. Brett will protect a beer. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll protect it from oxidation. Amazingly, and I've also heard uh, fairly recently that Brett, if you have a beer that is oxidized, you can add Brett to it, and it'll fix the oxidation. Really. Somebody told me that, and I'm, I, you know, I'm skeptical. Other than it's a UC Davis graduate who said one of the professors said that, uh, well. and I wouldn't be shocked that it could possibly do something along those lines. Yeah, and, I, I mean, I'd it like might favor. Yeah. It, it might actually favor the oxidized sugars for some reason over. The ones that don't oxidize, you know, the longer chains of starches. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. before it goes to break down the starches, it's like, well, here's the oxidized sugar. That's much easier, and you know, mm-hmm. maybe for some reason with the oxygen, you know, it's already part way, you know, broken down. I don't know. I don't know, either, but uh, so I, I would not be shocked. I'm going to do some tests. I'm going to take some oxidized beer, and I'm going to add some bread, and we're going to see what happens. But, but, but Brett will protect against that. Anyways. Here's a uh, different question kind of along the same lines from Christian in St. Louis, Missouri. He said, greetings, guys. I brewed uh, Jamil's Belgian double. I have a problem with carbonating in the bottles. Uh, the brew day went well. I had all the target numbers, and the beer turned out uh, great. Problem is that I targeted the bottles to be carbonated at three volumes, uh, but the beer is pretty flat when poured, maybe one and a half volumes as a guess. doesn't have a nice thick head like I wanted. Um, I had to use DME for priming because I was out of corn sugar, which is what I always use, and it's my first time using DME. Which He goes on to say, if I open a bottle at room temperature, the beer will gush out from released carbonation. But if it's refrigerated, the beer comes out with barely a head no matter how it is poured. I even tried adding some carb tabs to one bottle to carbonate it uh, some more, but it didn't help. Any ideas? Oh, that's a tough one because if it's gushing, yeah. it's carbonated. Mm-hmm. Unless he's talking room, he like room temperature is like a hundred Fahrenheit right. to him. I wonder if he. Uh, I wonder if he used enough DME. I mean, well, if that he did was straight, the other thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like if he used the same amount of, of DME as he would normally use corn sugar, he didn't use enough, right? Because uh, you know, corn sugar is going to be more fermentable, produce more carbonation uh, for a given weight, isn't? Uh, yeah, yeah, DME is, is far less uh, sugars. Mm-hmm. Uh, than corn sugar for a given weight, hmm. so that would could possibly be the issue there. But if he adjusted for that, which sounds like he you know might be savvy enough to have done, yeah, to have done, then um, I mean it might be the yeast. Is it every bottle? Is it just you know is it varying bottle to bottle? Yeah. But if it's gushing and when it's cold, I mean how, how the question is it room? What is room temperature to this guy? And what is refrigerator temperature to this guy? Yeah. I mean, if, if room temperature is like in the 80s and not 60-something, like a normal human being, 62 Fahrenheit, um, and refrigeration to him is, you know, minus 20 and not, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He works at a morgue in Key West. Yeah. 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 Well, anytime anybody mentions no head, I, I worry about a wild yeast infection. Right. And but he's trying to carbonate at like three volumes. Yeah. You know, but you know, how is the gauging? You know, not carbonated is it because he right. doesn't see a head, or because right. doesn't sense it when it's when he tastes it or something. Yeah. Right. If you're serving it really cold, yeah, those beers w- and you easing it into the glass instead of pouring with a vigor, like yeah. uh, Bamforth was saying, um, then you know you probably don't see head, and you, you know, probably all is in there. So, is it a rule of thumb then that the the colder the beer is when you pour it? the less carbonation there's going to be and the warmer, the more? Less carbonation will evolve what? when you pour it cold. The what do, do you say? Well, because he's saying that when it's room temperature, it's got tons of carbonation, and when mm-hmm. it's cold, it's got none or very little. So is that is that a so rule of car- thumb in general? Well, the carbonation should be the same. So it's perceived carbonation. Right. right. You know, there's there's a lot of head when it's warm, and there's no head when it's cold. I see. Okay, but the the volumes is the same. It's just perception. 
Right. How much is evolving and stirring up the head? How much is coming out of solution mm-hmm. uh, is, is the difference. And, you know, the warmer the beer, the more CO2 is going to come out of solution no matter how carefully you pour it. So that might be, might be the issue. Yeah. So that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if we're sitting right here with them, hey, if you guys want to send in beers and have us try yeah. them, yeah. We're, not, we're not adverse to uh, free beer. Would they send them to the hop grenade? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can if you guys ever want to send beer, you can email me Scott at thebrewingnetwork dot com, and uh, we can uh, store it here at the grenade for you until Jay Z has a chance to come in and water your beer down and drink it. <laughs> <laughs> Watery grave, half cousin. That's for it at your local bar. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, if you come out to the AHA conference, and uh, I don't know uh, whether we'll be at the Pro Brewers. Pro Brewer Night? Pro Brewer Night, if, or if they do At that one. anymore, yeah, and, or if we're pouring our beer anywhere. If we're pouring our beer anywhere, or if I, I'll, I'll probably bring some with me. Um, you ask me about uh, Watery Grave or Half Cousin, I'll, I'll make you one up. I, 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 I could do that. You know, listener, uh, absolutely. Share with you my secret of uh, fine uh, drinking without uh, getting trashed. <laughs> There's probably one or two listeners that are into that. Cozy up to Jamil's half cousin. That's right. I would like to get a uh, you know Tasty has the caricature of uh, of him carrying around the little corny keg with the tap. Yeah. There should be one of you carrying around like a five gallon Arrowhead jug. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it with everything, but uh, certain beers. I tried it with t- Twin, doesn't work. I've tried it with uh, CHP, doesn't work. Hmm. I tried it with uh, Shallow Grave, works tremendously really well tried it with the cousin works tremendously interesting um and now i've tried it with uh one of uh ailsmith's beers so who knows what do do you attribute that to something yeah um you know i think there's it's like when you're drinking whiskey uh do you drink whiskey i do Okay, so you know about adding a little bit of water yeah, every to the whiskey, and it opens up the whiskey, yep. and you get all this flavor that that normally isn't there, and it cuts some of the harshness, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's it's just a beautiful experience. Same thing on these beers. So we've got all these beers nowadays that are you know seven, eight, ten percent, and there's a ton of malt in it, a ton of flavor, and there's these, these hop profiles that are hidden behind. You know, all this malt, and there's ester profiles hidden behind all the hops, and everything's, you know, just layered in there to a point where they're just overwhelming. And people have gotten to the point where they they like that. Mm -hmm. So that's how beers are brewed. If you add some water to it, actually, what happens is the beer opens up, and all of a sudden, you get all these other flavors that you didn't recognize were in the beer. It's like on the shallow grave. You like shallow grave. Yes. And then you like the water grave. And you would think, it, it just as a fan of Shallow Grave, if you add 50% water, you'd be like, oh, I don't know. That's not going to be good. That's going to be like you're cutting half of what I like. Yeah. But when you add it, it's a completely different beer yes. with all these new flavors that weren't that you couldn't taste in the other one. It's just it's like true. whiskey. Yeah. You've opened it up to your, your senses. The, I the, love it. The difference is I've never had a whiskey that I didn't want with a splash of water. Uh-huh. But you're saying half the right. beers you do, half the beers you don't. Right, so it's it's you know not every beer is it, it's going to work with, and uh, you know I'm still kind of screwing around with it, but I I'm really pleased. The more and more I try it, the more and more I'm finding what works, what doesn't. Um, it needs to be a fairly intense and bold beer, I think, initially, but not every really big beer works because sometimes. You know, there's still a lot of – it can't be a beer with a lot of fusel alcohols or a lot of, you know, solventy because then you just open up that really right. nasty solventy. Right. you got to be real careful about that. I, you know, I think that might be a fun experiment for uh, folks to try at home. Like, you know, if you have a, right. a really big, you know, imperial stout or something on tap and, mm-hmm. you know, your mm-hmm. wife's friends are over and they all are, you know, right. maybe, hey, i got a different beer for you. And if you like you lots know? of carbonation, you can carbonate some water and try that. I think we have a question on carbonating water. I'll tell you what. Let's take a short break. When we come back, 
We will uh, get into more carbonation questions, even maybe carbonating water, right after this. Have you ever dreamed of attending the World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Anstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2015 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition to the 2015 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth almost $4. $4,000. From now until December 13th, 2014, every Danstar Yeast packet you use is your ticket to enter. Visit DanStarYeast.com for the details and to print your official entry form. There's no limit on the number of times you can enter. So get brewing with Danstar and get your entries in to the Danstar 2015 Beer School Contest. Whether you want to build your home brewing skills or build a career as a professional brewer, this course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Enter at DanStarYeast.com and get the dry yeast advantage with Danstar and Lalamond Premium Brewing Yeast and enter to win. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour and after this we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. 
Uh, we got to get back into explaining what we talked about during the break. <laughs> is, is this one, uh, it's not verboten, given the topic? No, no. I, well, maybe sometimes you got to filter it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, John was just complaining about how he hates all the English people. <laughs> Isn't that what you're saying? Is that it in a nutshell? No, uh, you no. hate all the beer over there. No. No, people, it's just, people were you, rude to him. You, you, they, you know. they, they screamed at him. What was, that? What was the thing about what, what actress or whoever? No, oh, racial things. Which, um, you brought up a, yeah, yeah, that right. was a couple months ago. What right, was before you went. Oh, I tell you, the people of, of London, the people of England in general, the people of, all over Europe, just fantastic. Yeah, yeah good, they really good people. are. There's good people everywhere. But you know the the, the treat you nice. So you know they're good with tourists. They're good with stupid Americans. It's mm-hmm. you know uh, there's there's not a problem yeah. there. I had a delightful time in London. Yeah, um, you know, and they say, oh yeah, don't talk to people in the subways and on the buses. Why not? Everybody was happy to talk. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. it's like when somebody comes. Yeah. somebody comes to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And they're a tourist, and they're clearly a tourist, and they've got a, 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 an accent, you know, from whatever country they came from. Mm-hmm. Do you treat them like crap, or do you actually kind of nice to them? It's like, hey, yeah. you know, you're on your vacation. You came here. Hey, you know, yeah. you're nice to them. You treat them nice. That's the way it is pretty yeah. much anywhere in the world. What about France? They're nice there. to you, too. Really? Yes. That is not the reports I've heard. They just don't smile at everybody and say thank you to everybody, to every last question like we do here. Here, when somebody serves me food at fast food, I say thank you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, they should be thanking me for coming into their fast food establishment, right? <laughs> In France, they just not – they're you know, they save it for – when it's, it's meaningful, yeah. not special occasions, but what's more meaningful, they're just not, you know, uh, falsely cosmetically pleasant. It's like if they're being nice, they're being nice. If they're, you know, if they're angry, they'll be angry. Otherwise, it's just like you know, working through the day type of thing. It's not like they're mean. It's not like they're. I don't like false kindness. I hate that when somebody's just like trying to be too kind. And it's it's BS because you know that's what they have to do for work or whatever. They don't do that, and I I appreciate that. You know, uh, we had uh, uh, my my daughters and I. We've been over there a number of times. We'll go and like do laundry, and what happens? We can't figure out the stupid machine. <laughs> well, because we're stupid, we haven't. You kept trying to put like, quarters. Well, didn't you? you know, you know, it's it just works differently than the machines we're used to. And we don't do a lot of like you know laundry at laundromats you know at, at home, so we're used to like a machine without coins and rules and all this. But you go there and somebody pretty much does your laundry for you and helps you out. Some stranger, it's like ah you know they're they're all they're people they're nice. That, like, that's what I find too. People are people, and people you are generally would appreciate nice. it, Scott. You don't like people that are you know smarmy fake you know, happy in your face type of thing. Uh, I mean, I, I, I kind of like it. You if you're paying for it. Exactly. I like the effort. <laughs> right, right. You know, even though I know it's fake, it, actually, yeah. you could make an argument that when it's fake, it's even better because they act, they don't even want to be doing it, but they are. <laughs> so you'd be proud to, to have slaves, I think. <laughs> exactly. Hey, look, I got to, you How's know. How's that sound to you, Bevo, when it's fake, it's even she's better? She's not listening. Oh. After after all that time in Egypt, you know, I figure I should be on the other end of it for a little right. while. Right. No, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying, you know, it's uh, it's very natural, very normal. You know, it's more like hanging out with your friends in France in a way. It is. They're not like blowing smoke up your ass. They're just, you know, they'll tell you tell you as it is. You know, it's it's very normal. The, the, all the the fakery of. You know, not knowing somebody is gone. So I, I was on the other side. I was like, nah, no France for me, all that. And then I went, and I'm like, oh, crap. It's actually quite fine. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, they just get rid of the fakery. Interesting. Well, now I've so officially heard good. mixed reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Justin likes France, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, yes, he does. But Justin's a dick. 
And so well, he relates with all the people there. What right. About so their, he perfectly blends in. What about their beer scene? I, I get their beer scene uh, sucks, sucks balls. doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What's what's that about? Uh, there are some very wonderful beers in France, and there there's at least a couple of outstanding beer bars, but they tend to work like American beer bars, where you know they've got an incredible selection, the quality is high. Uh, you know, the service is, is on top of it. There was one place we went and you go in and, and you sit down. They're like, you know, or you, you, you order from the bar. And then you'd sit down at a table and they'd watch you from the bar where, you know, you finish that beer. And if you looked in their direction, they're looking at you. They're like, you know, one more, no matter how busy they were. And you, you nod, they run it out to you. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but on the other hand, a couple other places where, you know, they poured chunks out the line. Ugh. Chunks. They had never cleaned these lines since, like, you know, De Gaulle was in charge. <laughs> Literally, like, a, a quarter glass of chunky, nasty sediment. Just, really? Oh, it was just foul. Just Ugh. foul. And then uh, I've been to some uh, – there, there was one uh, – you know, chain of like craft beer places. Beer was undrinkable, undrinkable. Huh. Um, hmm. ugh, ugh, just, just, just foul. But then there's, you know, every once in a while you, you go to one of these like little brown cafes, and uh, you know they have on like God's gift to wit beer or yeah. you know there's you know just randomly because. I think the majority of places they you know treat food with respect and they have you, you get fantastic meal anywhere mm-hmm. and some of them you know they'll treat their wine that way but not necessarily their beer but you get to some where they're like well wine beer whatever I'm serving you is uh, our good friend yeah. come on in our uh, uh, <laughs> you know uh, some of them they uh, you know they 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 think anything they serve you, whether it be your glass of water, needs to be – if you can put it in your mouth, it needs to be perfect. Uh, yeah, and yeah. so they treat their beer their way, their wine that way, their food that way. Maybe not the service that way, but, you know, uh, and just just fantastic. So I think there's more and more of those pe- places now, and uh, it's just fantastic. It's a great country, great, great people, great architecture, great everything. Yeah, can't build a car worth crap, but other than that, glowing No, review. but who can? Yeah. The Japanese. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. So now we're way behind. What are we talking about next? You can't just cut out questions. I'm telling you. You got to read all those questions that are in there. All right. So you just got to answer them faster. Try and blaze through this one from uh, Josh Zimmer. He said, I recently listened to the Package Gasm series out of curiosity, and also because I've uh, been having some carbonation issues bottling from the keg at room temp. I'm fairly new to kegging, and since I don't have the option of chilling my kegs prior to bottling, I'm forced to bottle my beer at room temp. Uh, I keep my kegs in my fermentation room, which is controlled at 67 Fahrenheit, and I bottle in the same room, but sometimes I have serious foaming issues at first, and then toward the end of the bottling, it seems like some of those bottles are seriously undercarbonated. Uh, I learned a lot uh, about how to properly disassemble my kegs and clean them on the Package Gasm episode, so I think that it's most likely contributing, um, but do you think I'm facing other issues as well? Your beer's too warm. You can't package it that warm. Yeah. So. You're losing your carbonation in the keg, and as the volume goes down, pressure's decreasing, and then when well, there, it goes yeah. into the bottle, then it's right. foaming. And, and it's lost. at, you know, near yeah. room temperature. Yeah, at one atmosphere. I mean, right. It's, yeah, it's not, not going to work. It's funny. He says, uh, I, find it hard to, uh, I find it hard to believe uh, that I shouldn't be able to keg beer at room temp, contrary to the advice I have received. So, <laughs> believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's hard to believe the people in France are okay. Um, <laughs> I still, you know, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, that's why y- you got to you got to chill it down. Um, you know, get proper carbonation. If he puts a keg in the fridge, yeah. gets it chilled down to you know in the thirties uh, Fahrenheit, he'll have no problem uh, yeah. bottling it off, and it'll retain all almost all the carbonation. Use a beer gun, and chilling your bottles helps too. So just I, got, found, I found I didn't even have to do that. Yeah, I mean, if if you got the get, beer get cold beer initially, cold. Yeah. But that's that's the main thing. But ice, ice cold, yeah. chill it down. You just got to get a kegerator. No way around it. Yeah, or you, you know, most fridges will handle a full size corny. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you take the shelves out and it yep. goes right in there. What about all your groceries? Fuck the groceries. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're Do it when your wife's here. not home. Right. Yeah. If you want a car properly, I mean, you know, that's your only option, I guess. Yeah, you know, if you want to do it at room temperature, in theory, I believe you could do it with a counter-pressure bottle filler Yeah, at a high enough pressure. Now, you need yeah. to make sure everything can hold that pressure. All the lines that you're using, all the fittings on the counter-pressure filler, right. the glass bottle you're going into, and you just ratchet up that pressure. To, you're probably bottling it like, you know, 40 or 50 PSI. But 30. you should be able to hold the the pressure into the beer and bottle yeah. it. And then if you're very good at bottling and you very slowly really are you release <laughs> the pressure consistently and not too slow, not too fast, mm-hmm. you should be able to get the pressure off and get the cap on before you lose all your CO two. That's true. So it should be possible to do, but you need a counter pressure filler then. Uh, beer gun won't work. Right. Not at that temperature. That's just insane. So there you go. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we will have more of this and more of that after this. Okay. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? (laughs) Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I reckon you better stick to Arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. <gasps> oh, it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Some big plastic bucket. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you massive selection and superior customer service, comes the Home Brewer. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read Read your way to better homebrew. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. 
putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Our good friend Brew Tattoos here. He's going to take us all out to a fish dinner later on, I think. We were just explaining to him how if you add water to Jimmy O's beer, it makes him better. (laughs) It makes more of it. That's true. Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not not better. Different. If you like lower alcohol beers. Just saying. All right, let's get through uh, a couple more uh, carbonation questions here. Why not? This is from Ed O'Sullivan in Royal Oak, Michigan. Uh, he said he listened to the podcast back in uh, July 2013, and we addressed his letter. He, want, he sent a follow-up, uh, but he said the bottling process didn't go very well. I dropped the priming sugar in the bucket, and then I added my beer to the bucket without making simple sugar uh, of it on the stove. I found that my consistency from bottle to bottle isn't good. Some of the beers are really great, beautifully carbonated, delicious. Others are not well carbonated at all and have some uh, belgian quality to them. Well. He did he add raw sugar to the bucket or boil it? No. He just said, "Yeah, I dropped the priming sugar in the bucket and then added my beer without making simple sugar on the stove." Yeah, so you're supposed to dissolve the sugar in water, right? Boil it, add that to the you're bucket. Getting an inconsistent amount of sugar per bottle. Yeah, it's taking a while to dissolve. Unless you're stirring it after it's dissolved, it really right. So questions like these are a little confounding because it's like. Uh, so I didn't follow directions, and it didn't turn out well, and I'm wondering what I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we're going, so tell us exactly right. what you did right. or didn't do. Cause well, then the belgian is like, well, you know, cleaner. Yeah, dirty bottle. Process. Yeah, yeah or, happened? you know, uh, you know, your, the, the initial bottles being drawn got the sugar, the later ones didn't, and, uh, you know. The only yeast that really could do anything with what you presented them was the wild yeast. So, yeah, it could be. I think that's you know one of the reasons you're getting inconsistencies. All right, we're uh, short on time. So one last yep. one from Marcus. He says, uh, "Hey guys, I'm having a problem, um, not with beer, but with my attempt to make seltzer with my kegging system. I've been carbonating carbon filtered water, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thirty to forty psi. We enjoy seltzer, my wife and I. I'm making some half cousin." <laughs> Said. Uh, I'm uh, dispensing from my keezer through a picnic tap with about 10 feet of hose. I get uh-huh. crazy frothy output from the tap, but there's little carbonation remaining in the water when the initial pour settles. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm building a collar for the keezer and would like to devote a tap to seltzer. Uh, any advice on improving the retained carbonation from my current setup? Yeah, use a really narrow ID hose. Yep. So Lots of it. Keep it all cold inside the, the keezer. And, uh, you know, get your temperature down as low as you can on that water. And, you know, so put it near the output of whatever, or if you're using a freezer for some reason, um, you're kind of screwed. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it's really the same problem that you have with any home kegging system Mm -hmm. where you need need a a long enough hose. Yeah. Smaller diameter, longer hose to build up the pressure drop so that the beer doesn't foam excessively coming out the tap. Mm-hmm. If it. all else fails, uh, you can always get a soda stream. Those carbonate water quite effectively. I, I love the carbonated water, too, and we just keep a soda stream on the counter. To make your watery grave? Exactly. There you go. That, bottle of shallow grave, you're set. Well, and I, I think, um, you know, people worry about putting too long a line uh, the only thing that will happen, you put too long uh, or too much restriction on it, too fine a line, too long a line, the liquid won't come out. Even mm. then, it'll still come out. It's just going to kind of trickle out. Yeah. So what you do when that happens, you're like, okay, a little too long. You shut everything off. You cut six inches off. You yeah. try it again. You cut six inches off. You try it again. Eventually, get to the point where it pours nice at a good clip and it doesn't you know, froth out and you'll, you'll be fine. So just start with a really long ass, really thin line, and you'll you should be fine. There you go. I think that's another fine show. I'll tell you, check out the AHA. John and I are going to be at the yep. conference. We'll be there at the conference. You can sign up for a membership. They do. Uh, they look out for your your rights as a home brewer. They put on the conference. You get the Zymergy magazine membership at uh, or the uh, members only session at the GABF. Uh, and uh, pub discount programs at places all over the place like Heretic. Right. And uh, 
they do great things. So you can sign up at theroaringnetwork.com slash whatever and uh, hit the AHA link, and uh, there you go. A little slice goes off to the uh, Brewing Network. Uh, check out other shows on the Brewing Network. I'll tell you what, one of my favorites, Brewing with Style. Brewing with Style. John Plissay. Huh? Tasty. That's a good show. Yeah. Great stuff. That's that's where our, where where our, I don't know we do all the the best stuff brew strong <laughs> and bring the style and uh, check out our other sponsors check out uh, Blickman Engineering BlickmanEngineering dot com they pay for the show so you don't have to and uh, if you are feeling extra generous I would suggest going to thebrewingnetwork dot com slash store uh-huh. buying a fine hoodie for you ah. and a brewing friend. There you go. Two hoodies. And Two pass hoodies. that along next brew session to your, your dear friend. You can put them on. You can hug. <laughs> kiss sure. if you want to. I, I, I'm not going to judge. You can even wear them in public. You could. And uh, we'll see you all at the AHA conference in June in San Diego, huh? Yes. All right. Brew strong, to everybody. Brew strong. Brew strong.